Welcome, you're listening to the Driven by Design Awards Wrap. Joining me this week is Kirsten Mann. Kirsten. Hi Mark, thank you for having me back again. Oh look, I've missed you the last couple of weeks. (laughs) I'm very missable. <laughs> I'm so tiny. <laughs> no, no, actually, what I missed was actually hearing about the projects and the things that you've been exploring. And I think you've been off to a conference in the last couple of weeks. Well, well, I'm on a on an inspirational high at the moment. I've just um, been to the Design Thinking Summit that was held up in Sydney. And it was, you know, you never really know what you're going to get from these events, right? Sometimes it can just be other UXs almost um, fetishizing over their artifacts and things, right? But what was fantastic here was there was such a broad group of companies and doing really innovative things at all different levels of their organisations, right from the tax office right through to um, financial institutions. Something that's going to interest you, right, there was two things that really stood out to me. Um, Ebenezer Banfield, who's been doing stuff at Yarra Yarra Valley Water, kind of positioned how water can be inspirational. And I was like... And, and that's fantastic. You know, whenever people can actually get you excited about about their thing, I think that's important. Fantastic. And there's so many aspects of the world that we take for granted. And when somebody's been able to say, look, the service design around water is engaging, you're going, really? Yeah, exactly. That it was his thing. Did I see myself, you know, X number of years ago being excited about water? And the other one that really stood out was um, Simon Dwoff. And he's been, um, they've done this really innovative system where basically think about all the patents in the world. Hang, right? hang on, where's Simon from? Uh, so now he's the CEO of um, his own company, which is AU, Alo- AU Live. Um, but what it, they've done is they've basically said, okay, here's all the patents in the world. Now, if you're trying to do a new product, it's guaranteed that somebody else has done an element of this in another product. So, for example, with a saw that you're needing to do different cutting, right. where else have we done cutting? And so they'll go across all the patents and find a patent for cutting cheese and apply this to potentially cutting rubber, for example. And it was just fascinating how they'd done this map between the problems that were similar but in completely different spaces. And, and so we're seeing this come through in a range of intellectual property areas. Um, earlier this year, there was a, a new trademarks library that was put into the marketplace, machine learning-based uh, robots for people who love to hear about robots. and. It meant that in less than 20 seconds, you could find out, is the logo that you're now working on going to impinge somebody else's trademark that's out there? And this idea of being able to go use the descriptive part of law, which is what intellectual property is, and then dig in to find out, well, somebody else has done a saw. If I do it slightly differently, I'm not in breach of their patent, but I might be inspired by their patent. Completely. Fantastic yeah. stuff. So I've got to take a look at that. Yeah. So, and you, you've been at a conference too. Well, I'm, I'm actually mid-conference. I'm uh, here in Melbourne this week uh, at the Creative State Summit. And there's, a, there's like this gargantuan task that the Victorian state government's taken on where they said, we want to go see how from hippie artists through to the most commercial property developers and the design teams and the artistic teams, can we actually bring them through as a cohesive set of economic drivers? Now, to give you an idea of how large this creative economy is in in Victoria, there's $24 billion of economic activity that they've counted. The construction industry is $26 billion. 
And you're going, who would have thought arts festivals, design agencies, musicians, all of that would actually tally up to that. So that's why they're chasing it, because they believe that our, our future isn't so much as a manufacturing economy, it's probably going to be a creative economy, and let's make sure that we're on the front foot of it. I'm enjoying it, but I'm actually wagging, or you know, <laughs> I've skipped a, a hooky, I think is what Americans Ooh. might call it, um, on a session. but. Because they're streaming it to recorded, I can actually go back to it. So we'll put a link up so everybody who isn't in Melbourne at the Creative State Summit can actually go find out about it. But we better get through this then. We better so get we through it because I need to get back there. <laughs> and as I say, time is ticking. Right. So let's get into our projects. First project this week, Kirsten. I think it's a, The Refuge by Volta. And this was featured in the London Zion Awards. Now, it was what's really interesting about this is that they've gone and designed this space and by doing so, they've tried to tap into the experience of being in a standard space, like a den. So they've said, what are the elements of a den that makes you feel like you're in that environment? And they've gone and kind of mapped that to what they've done in this space. And it really is beautiful. And I think also what's interesting here is um, uh, the design studio that's, uh, that's picked it up here has worked out that although they're based in London, that they need to go bring in local influences so it's actually got a bit more of the Manchester vibe. And I think if we go into the music industry, which I always try to get designers to consider, is the the London sound and the Manchester sound is quite different. And when it comes to that localising of a restaurant experience, similarly, you've got to make sure that you've got some local partners who are going to make sure it's got that Mercurian twist to it, which is, which is, which is beautiful here. Um, I am going to pick up that, the, uh, that one of the studios that's involved with this is a company called Principal. It is now the most common studio name across all of the stuff that we do at Driven by Design. And it's, uh, I'm tearing my hair out working out, is it Principal London, is it Principal's Melbourne, is it Principal Melbourne, is it Principal in San Francisco, they're everywhere. But it's, so principle is the new design word, new I think word. you're going to find there's going to be some branding uh, strategy going on. Well, we've been principles or principles for enough years. Now let's work out where we're going. But this refuge space at, uh, by Volta, it's a beautiful project here. But I'm not going to sit on that. I want to go across to, again, another London Design Awards project. And this one's actually been rolled out in Amsterdam. And uh, Kirsten, who's the project for? So this is Akamai Amsterdam. And I've got to say that being an Amazon fan, and Akamai is one of their amazing growth businesses and success stories. And what I love, and this, I suppose in looking at this, if I can just say, go to the site, because across your site this week, there are so many inspirational spaces. Every, every week. Don't... Every week, but this week in particular, right? I've like, stopped I'm watching looking... television. I just, I just look at these projects. Eh? I'm looking at the site, I'm like, oh, what? These, these spaces that people are creating are just amazing. And what's really cool, like, okay, in the tech space as I am, I love it when you see places where they're thinking of flexible working environments. And in this one, they've done a floating think tank. I love the floating think tank. There you go. That's the alliteration issue is the floating think tank lab. You don't have to see or talk about Peter Piper Pickle Pepper anymore. You can go to the floating think tank lab. Which, which what I like here, the team at Unispace who have previously worked with Akamai on two other city projects in Milan and Paris, that they've, they've worked out how to go and continue to take their client on a journey, deliver them a space that actually meets the customer's or the, the client's values and also the company's strategy, 
but they've also put in this space which is flexible and separated. You know, many companies will just have the one uniform floor that they're on. Yeah. This is a whole floor which is take yourself into a different space and enjoy. And I know, I know in our office that we like working in different different spaces at different times of the day to help adjust our mind mm. because we move between reasonably big you know, dynamics. So I think what's happened here um, in, uh, through Akamai and Unispace is a beautiful project. Um, I'm looking forward to going and seeing it at some stage. Or go to your website to see it. <laughs> That's my <laughs> way the to next go best to. Thing. All right, now I'm going to walk us into the place economy here in the Melbourne Design Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this sits somewhere between a passion project uh, for the team at Hoyne and probably one of the most significant publications when it comes to the place economy I've ever read. Uh, it's a it is a tomb of a book. Um, it could be used as a weapon. Um, uh, you know, there's many kilos in, in it. But uh, what I do like is that with you know 25 plus years of um, place marketing that Andy Hoyne, the principal at Hoyne, has done, that he's actually brought together a team of experts. He's written a series of how-to guides. He's made sure that there's beautiful illustrations in there. The book by itself is just a beautiful piece of work as as a as a finished product. The contents actually just top it off. And I'd highly recommend anybody who hasn't read The Place Economy, get a copy in your hands and and read it. You'll know so much more about the best thinking around placemaking. Awesome project. Fantastic. And it is one of those books, as you said, that you look at it and you just want to actually pick it up and just flick through even and then just it really draws you in. And and so it's been beautifully designed, but the thought leadership in it is fantastic as well. Yeah, and then the last little bit of thought leadership that they've got is that they've turned around and that they've... Hoyne have actually picked up the tab for, for the printing of it and all the proceeds from the book then go across to a non-for-profit. So it's actually providing impact and benefit in the community. Again, leadership astounding. I'm just amazed. So, so Kirsten, where's our next project? We're off to the Astor Theatre Overlook Bar. Well, now, Overlook Bar, I'm getting Stanley Kubrick and also The Shining in here. Is that, is that where the That's reference the vibe, comes from? That's the vibe, I think, and Red Drum all the way from, yeah. <laughs> from that side. So this project here is a graphic design and identity and branding project. And I think for any Melbourneian who went to university in this town, at some stage has gone to a late night screening at the Astor. It's, you know, it's one of those rite of passage um, theatres. So the bar that they were putting in, as it's aesthetic, it had to go and actually match in with the theatre. But then there's also the branding identity had to make sure that it, that it played in there. And I think they've done a beautiful job here in picking up the style of, of the era of the Astor Theatre. And it is that. It's, you look at it and it's, it's kind of, you imagine it would be the perfect environment to after a movie to kind of, you know, be dissecting that after. movie. <laughs> or before. <I'd, laughs> Both. You go about five o'clock, sit in the bar for a few hours and go to the movie, don't you? <laughs> well, that's true yeah. too. <laughs> so, and, and which studio did this, Kirsten? I think it was, um, again, the principal, principal design, Okay, so principal design Melbourne. Melbourne as against principal <laughs> London. No relationship between them except being awesome creators of projects. It's All definitely right. the thing to call yourself at the moment as an agency. So I'm going to head off to the Exigent website here in the Melbourne Design Awards, uh, Exigence and Evolution 7. Now, this is, this is actually an interesting project because Exigence, who have been a long-haul IT consultancy, they had to make a decision when they rebranded, do they express themselves as being the alchemists of bits or are they actually about human-centered need? 
and they went down the human-centered needs side. And so that the entire expression that Evolution 7 have got on the website is that this is about people and it's about management issues and people problems. It's not about technology. I, I think that, you know, the team at Exodus have obviously had a great partner with Evolution 7. But without that you know, collaboration, you don't get the type of work that we're seeing here. And I think that's what was really standing out with this one was that there was clearly a shared vision with the client and when they were collaborating on this. And the recognition that they'd gone through this rebranding exercise and, and because digital was missing for them previously. So they've been able to actually address that and I think do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, and, and I must say, I'm always concerned when everyone refers to things as digital, you know, because it's that type of thing when everything's digital, what's digital? And I think we're kind of at that period. And in this case here, they were trying to work out what's their primary channel. They could have printed 5,000 brochures, but they can probably get to 20,000 a month by making sure that their website is, is their primary channel. And so as far as working out primary channel and how do we go and express ourselves, I think they've done well. I'm not sure it's a digital project because I think they're looking at channel strategy here more than technology, which is what the brand is all about. Okay, okay let's head across here to a, um, a graphic design identity and branding project and it's for? Windsor Terrace. Yeah, that's the Top Gang uh, group and tomorrow. Tell me a bit about it. Well, I think you were saying, Mark, that then um, the agency is sometimes you get two extremes, right? That everybody's fabulous or that they're, they're kind of um, self-depreciating. And in this case, I think what's fantastic with this development is that they've actually, you were mentioning that they'd sold out or, well, sold to 80% capacity. 80%. And, and that killed me. As, I, as I'm reading about this project and I'm looking, looking at the nomination and there's this deprecating tone that comes out, which is we're not really sure how effective the branding was. It, yeah, it sold out 80%. If you've got a brand and you've attached it to a product and your goal was to sell 100%, you're up to 80%, it's working. And, and it's because it's hard. Like the Melbourne property crowd, it's really hard to stand out. It is. And, and what I like that they've done in this project here is that they've worked out how to go and position themselves as a contemporary in a particular market segment. They've been able to say, this is where we sit. And we know the people who look at property, uh, property marketing, they're trying to work out what fits their hopes and dreams for their lifestyle. Yep. For some people, they want to have a bohemian, you know, uh, Mother Earth, weeds and seeds lifestyle. Other people want to feel they're in Blade Runner. Some people want to think they're in a neoclassic. Some people want to be in a Scandi. They've been able to clearly say this is what's on offer. They've demonstrated it well, and the entire branding actually encapsulates that expectation that the people who move in are going to have. I, I think it's a beautiful project. Fantastic. Well, I'm whipping off to Sydney Design Awards in this one, and Pet Shore. Now, this this is something that's close to my heart. I'm an animal lover, and Pet Shore is a pet insurance company. And what they've done here is um, created a, a space that's pet friendly. And so for me, this is my dream, right? I'd love to have an environment with animals just running around everywhere. And they've taken that to a next level where they've actually said, how do we make the animals comfortable, not just kind of, you know, <laughs> being dragged in by their yeah. owners? And, and there's so many aspects of this project that they've done well. You know, they've turned around and they've got the testimonials are coming in the voice of the animal got the benefit from the from the insurance and and I think you've had that uh, you know pet insurance been around for a long time but I remember yeah. you telling me 
you had some insurance needs for your animals. Well, and luckily we insured them early. Yeah. (laughs) Pedigree dogs end up (laughs) causing lots of problems. But but if I turn around and I gave you the opportunity to have a a pet sure experience to buy your insurance or the company that you'd previously been with, I think we know hands down which one's going to win. I would be, you know, I'd be in there. So there's a, there's a, there's a new player in the market with a new expression. What I do like is that this project's actually out of um, Chatswood in Sydney. And Chatswood, there's not much around Chatswood which is um, about status quo. It's all about status now and status next. The vibrancy in Chatswood is astounding. And for those people who haven't got on a train, it's not that far away from downtown Surrey Hills. Get out to Chatswood, have a look, because that's part of what the new Sydney is. And if you've got clients who are going to head out to Parramatta, I think a lot of the accent that you're seeing in Chatswood is what we're going to see happen in Parramatta. It's a new Sydney. It's vibrant. It's bold. Awesome. I'm, I, I love I love Chatswood. And again, if you're an animal lover, go to <laughs> go to the site, the Dream by Design site, and have a look at some of these images because you just can't help but go do the, oh, isn't that adorable? And as they say on most uh, radio programs, uh, any advice given relating to insurance or investment products <laughs> is general and you must uh, see your own consultant. Um, we're not responsible for the insurance. We're just talking about how amazing the interior design here <laughs> is by the Bold Collective. I'm sure it's great insurance, but I just don't want someone's lawyer pointed at me the wrong way. <laughs> okay, let's head across here to Domain um, in the Sydney Design Awards. Oh, and look, another just beautiful space. And I think we were talking about this before, Mark, where if tech companies, and this, so this was for Domain, and people working in this space, they have to realise that if you want to inspire your staff to create amazing experiences for tomorrow, you need to put them in inspirational spaces of the future. Yeah, those spaces of tomorrow are all what we're seeing in the tech sector. People want to move in there and the staff have to be inspired. They have to think from day zero that they move in there, which is I'm accelerating, I'm fresh, because the difference with the tech sector as against traditional business is the the progress that they're making is measured in kilometres, whereas traditional business is measured in increments of centimetres. They're doing leaps and bounds. There are big dollar returns in market valuation, particularly for this organisation, which may actually have a listing, um, be detached from the mothership business and go do their own listing. Beautiful space here done by the team at Shape and Siren Design. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Shape, you might have known them previously as Isis. Um, They had to go and change their name after somebody damaged their brand reputation. Uh, But it's great to go see Shape here in the awards and the team at Siren Design. Beautiful. Um, I think next time I'm in Sydney, I'm going to ask (laughs) if I can find a desk for a day. I've got some friends at debate, so please invite me for coffee. So um, so our final project here is the Fairmont Chicago's Columbus Tap. I'm glad you did that one. <laughs> Another tongue twister. You've had a few in here today. Yeah, and, uh, and it's at the Fairmont Ch- Chicago and Millennial Park, which, um, which is a, an award-winning project in the Chicago Design Awards. It's, it's the epicenter of downtown Chicago. And, and I think what's really interesting with this one we were talking about was um, it, they just, you know, a lot of people when they're um, playing on the uh, um, Prohibition era, it's all about, you know, whiskey and, and those kind of things. Now, these guys actually wanted to celebrate the beer rights you were talking about, which I didn't even know about. Have you ever heard of a beer no, right? No. I've never heard of a beer right, but apparently in Chicago, there weren't just Tommy Guns and, 
and sly liquor, hard liquor. There were also beer rights. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose that's where you start to, you've got a new chapter and a new conversation that mm. you're having with the, with the people of Chicago. And again, it's, it's similar to the first project that we went and looked at, which is they're bringing this idea of a den, it's got acoustics, it's got the lighting set right, but it's also got the localised side of materials that have been sourced inside Chicago so that the people of Chicago feel the authenticity. It doesn't feel like cargo culture where the design's been brought in out of a globalised um, pellet. I, I think it's gorgeous. Mm. And it, it has that Chicago accent, that Chicago feel to it as well. And I love the term that they had before we had that there was a floating think tank. <laughs> this project here, it's a gastro pub. Right. And I, I, think, I think the idea of a gastronomics pub is fantastic. I'm sure in some slang languages, a gastro pub may mean something else, but I just love the fact that they've got it in here. So Kirsten, that brings us to the end of our projects for this week. How uh, clearly inspirational spaces and for me, just having to going through and looking at some of these things, I'm like, I want to be in these environments. That's right. Know? And but you know, there are some urgent matters that people right. have to look at. Okay. <laughs> it, Apart from the um, the coffee cup that you've given me yeah, today, we're actually going to uh, we'll do a little bit of a profile on the coffee cup that I brought back from Hong Kong next week. Um, Kirsten's going to test drive this reusable coffee cup. Uh, we may actually go get the photo that both of us are holding it up. <laughs> it's meant to be used for 500 uses. Where I'm up to about my seventh. Mm -hmm. um, it's awesome, uh, but it, it, let's just talk more about it next week. But you know, if you're involved in the design sector in Hong Kong, Melbourne, or the government the government sector, you need to do something this week. Look on the site. Uh, there's deadlines which are imminent for you. And, you know, as I always say, we can't do this without the great support of our community. So in particular, I'd like to acknowledge the team from uh, Puccini, from Shape, uh, the Bold Collective, uh, Principal Design and Principal uh, that we've got in there and the team at Unispace. Without them and without the community who's actually helping to go rate these projects and also to give us feedback, we can't do any of this. Of course, Kirsten, I can't do this without my with my design giant that's joining me today. So thank you for being co-host. Again, thank you for having me. And as I say to everyone, remember, be driven by design. <laughs>